Today on the Topic Show, Disney lies, saying that the Marvels is the number one film. Bud Light free beer tweet is roasted by the only real responses that show up. Vivek goes on Chris Cuomo. Ron DeSantis calls out San Francisco cleaning up only because China is visiting. Home Depot Q3 earnings are in. A vintage Ferrari GTO sells for a record amount. German auto parts manufacturer is starting to initiate layoffs. And Fisker EV stock crashes 20% after decreased deliveries, as well as saying that their 10Q filing will be delayed. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Home Depot Q3 earnings are in. As the CEO says, they're going on over a year of quote-unquote modernization. Now, I... Perhaps a little biased. I can't help but lose track of how many times I've gone to Home Depot for all the little things I need to purchase to buy stuff like components and supplies to manufacture things like this, the podcast table in here. The other two tables are built are about what is it, seven feet by four feet for the interview podcast tables. Those we should have got sponsored by Home Depot, but they had darn near every component we needed, and every time we needed a little knickknack or extra screw or some specialized epoxy tape. They'll just jump on over and get the supplies there. And it's pretty darn convenient. They got more locations, or not as many as Starbucks, but they seem to be multiplying like bunnies, so to say. And if you're ever looking for a good read, Bill, what was he? I believe the Bernie's book is specifically called Home Built or Built to Last? What is it called? Built from Scratch. That is the book that was written by the founder or the co founder of the Home Depot. And I can't recommend that enough. Interestingly enough, let me know if you want me to do some type of book of the month kind of shindig and kind of talk about what book I'm reading, highlights, my thoughts, usually around business or philosophy. This year I've read darn near every retailer that I could think of in terms of books by the founders or specialists that covered the company. But nevertheless, going into the Q3 earnings. Now, this is thanks to the OG Yahoo Finance with, that might be day me, but back in the day they were the default search engine. At one point, one of the most valuable companies in history, turning down an offer from Microsoft that I believe to sell out for $40 billion because they thought they were worth more, and then subsequently they sold for less than 10% of that to, I believe, Verizon, and they've been sold and spun off a couple times ever since. Now, it looks like that their earnings on, are downsizing as consumers are starting to pull back on their renovations, and this is thanks to a senior reporter by the name of Brooke DePalma, again, on Yahoo Finance. Now that... They also know that sales are down 3.10% year over year, though it wasn't as low as Wall Street expected at 3.31%. They did know that revenue came in a little bit higher than anticipated at $37.71 billion compared to the estimated $37.70 billion. So again, one of the best things you can do being a publicly traded company, knock the socks off the investors, impress them and always beat the expectations. And while it doesn't sound like a lot, 0.01, that's also 0.01 of a billion. So that's quite a pity penny. 
Although pennies nowadays are 99.99% zinc, which is basically trash or just copper plated. So to make the metaphor more apt, we should probably say a vintage pretty penny, which was actually mostly composed of copper. Now, going down, we'll actually do a little look at their stock trends as well. They know that the adjusted earnings per share were $3.81 per share compared to the estimated $3.76 per share, while digital sales actually grew 5%, which is pretty interesting. I don't know. A lot of my friends who are doing DIY projects and building things, a lot of the convenience of why they shop at Home Depot or if they have a, a wife and their wife wants to go to Lowe's, kidding, that's, well, not so much. It's actually a big part of their marketing, but nevertheless, as long as this says where a lot of value is, they're right there. You don't have to wait, I don't know, a couple days to get something in the mail or if you pay more and get in 24 hours. A lot of the value add is that it's right there right now. So it is interesting to see that the online sales grew by 5%, so that's pretty good. They also know that foot traffic is down 2.4%, though they did, well, that actually was higher than the expected 1.27%, but the average ticket dropped less than expected, down 0.3% instead of 0.6%. The CEO, Todd Decker, noted that the company said, quote, saw continued customer engagement with smaller projects and experienced pressure in certain big ticket discretionary categories. They also know that compared to Q3 of last year, purchasers over $1,000 were down 5.2% as the housing market slows and consumers are tightening their belts, which is quite a difficult feat in the United States because of the obesity. That'd be a good business, actually. Belt manufacturers, I can't help but think many people wear them out. Granted, I'm someone who actually buys something trying to make it last a lifetime, so I believe my belt is from 2010. It's been around. So to say, nevertheless, they also know that categories such as flooring, countertops and cabinets were seeing, quote unquote, softer engagement. Bill Bask, the Home Depot chief executive VP of merchandising, said on the investor call that, quote, pro heavy categories like roofing, insulation and portable power tools saw big ticket strength, unquote, which those are pretty good because those are pretty high margin products. If you are interested in what part of the store is most expensive, look where they put the most security. All the power tools and stuff, those are all under lockdown and they have additional security cameras specifically for those aisles and they make that really annoying funny beep every time you walk past and go down the power tool aisle at the Home Depot. You get that little notification, a little reminder that you're being watched. Now, it looks like the, uh, the news of this is shares of the Home Depot increased about 6.3%, the biggest interday gain in 11 months after the news of the Q3 results. Year to date, shares are down Nearly 3.1%. Now let's look at the go to the five-year trend. Jeez. Hindsight is always 2020, especially when it comes to investing. Though, I would also argue the best investment is just to gamble on yourself and start a business or invest in a trade. But nevertheless, in the past five years, they're up 73.42%. They're currently, and again, they fluctuates every second thanks to stock market trades. But nevertheless, as the time of this recording, it's about $306.98 per share. So the past five years went up 73 3.42%. In past year, it's actually down by 1.59%. Year to date, they're down 2.83%. Six months, they're up, increased by 6.39%. In the past single month, they're up 3.25%. Past five days, they're up 5.28%. So overall, pretty darn good investment. And their market cap is currently $306 billion, and they have a, well, they actually do pay dividends, so that'll be good.
good for all the, the dividend stock traders who buy stocks that are only based on that factor alone or big component. Dividend yield is currently 2.72%. Now it'll be interesting to see they had that big bump with the lockdowns where everyone started to do, fix up their houses. And then with the housing boom, I know a lot of people went out and they actually repaired and improved their houses, make it more marketable, make it easier to sell. So as you see, the housing market precipitously, not come to a standstill, but perhaps driving as slow as a, what's a slow inept vehicle? A Ford, well, that's not fair because some of them break in the road, so the, the speed would actually be zero miles per hour. Hmm, a Subaru BRZ. Great and fun in the corners, but in a straight line, purely anemic. Granted, you can turbo it, but another topic for another time. It'll be interesting to see in regard to the Home Depot stock, how will they be able to keep this growth rate up? Because again, that five-year trend is ridiculously positive. Let me know in the comments, is this giving you inspiration to actually make an investment in Home Depot? Or do you think maybe the competition from Lowe's and other competitors will increase and maybe leach some of those sales away? Be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business news, you have a Ferrari 250 GTO selling for a record $51.7 million. And of course, it has three pedals, also known as a manual transmission, as every vehicle should have by default. It is the most fun you could ever have with a vehicle, which is why I respect Porsche, the last true sports car company dedicated to the manual transmission, the stick shift, the OG as the youth might call it. Well, 18 people might call it that, but nevertheless, it is the best experience and I highly recommend it. Can't recommend it enough. Now, this is, a very famous vehicle as well. It was the only Tipo 1962 campaigned by the factory racing team. And that is why it surpassed the other record. The previous record holder was a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, also sold by the same auction house by the name of RM Sotheby's, which talk about a winning situation. They always get paid in terms of the auction houses. They get the fees stacked on top of it. And sometimes they get percentages. So. A very lucrative business, it's no wonder there are so many popping up. They Now, specifically, the 1962 record that was previously held was 104 upgraded by Scaletti, and that actually went for $48.4 million with the fees included. And this one, oh, not so obviously, but this one in particular has a lot of racing heritage. Although, interestingly enough, they know that the top vehicle ever auctioned is still $143 million for a vintage Mercedes 300 CLR. I'm going to butcher this. It's in the, this might be funny if you're German. Let's attempt this pronunciation. Again, this is Mercedes 300 SLR Holt Coupe. Eh. Perhaps that sounds close enough. Factory race team. This vehicle also finished in first in class in the 1962 Nurburgring 1,000 kilometers. However, it failed to compete in the 24 hours of the Mons due to a heating error. This Ferrari originally had a 4.0 liter V12, the only Scuria raced GTO to receive such an engine. But after the Mans, it was swapped for a standard 3 liter unit by the factory. A privateer bought the ramped up car and used it to take racing in 1963. Eventually, this 250 GTO reached the United States, where the current owner acquired it in 1985. He used it for vintage racing on the high-end auto show circuit, garnering the best in show win at the 2011 Amila Island Concours d'Elegance. Which is no, that's when you have true, like, 
un nearly unfathomable amounts of wealth when not only can you race, which is v it adds up pretty quick. I take my car to the track every once in a while. It is a ridiculously fun event, and I have a Honda Civic. I love the little thing, but even that starts to add up when you consider the brakes, the tires, the brake fluids. There's a lot that goes into that. Once you go to that next level where you actually have a dedicated racing car and not a street car that just goes on the track and a vintage one, I can't imagine the amount of money just to maintain that piece of history. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the Ferrari GTO, that's one of the most collectible cars in history. It's A lot of people argue it's, it's, you know, it's part art, it's part historical provenance of Ferrari. It's also a, a driving experience that's very unique. So it'll be interesting to see, do these ever go down in value? They seem to be going up and up and up. Like, I mean, we talk talking about how the GTO has been collectible for years. With the next generation, Ferrari does have its perhaps one of the best business acumen in terms of protecting their brand and building the heritage. So every generation kind of knows Ferrari is one of the premium brands for racing. It'll be interesting if that ever changes without the, throughout the generations, does that start to die away or does it start to, does the crown move to another automotive manufacturer who's more dedicated to racing or, I mean, Ferrari's racing and F1 has, it has been doing very great. Mercedes has been doing really good. The Red Bull team has been doing really good. But be interesting. It'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting businesses, you have German automotive parts company to lay off 1,000 employees. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if this is indicative of the overall automotive community. Now, this particular automotive manufacturer part maker is known by Continental AG, and they know that they will cut thousands of jobs worldwide in an attempt to reduce cost and to address the competitiveness issues in its automotive unit. The jobs that are being cut are a plan to trim the cost by $428 million, and this is thanks to LiveMint.com. Though disappointing, they did not give a single tip on where to buy the best mint for your after-dinner palate cleanser. A little bit of false advertising, but I'll allow it. Now, they noted that According to a report by Manager Magazine, Continental AG plans to eliminate as many as 5,500 jobs, with specifically 1,000 of them in Germany. When asked for comment, they said, quote, Continental is looking into further measures to strengthen the competitive of the almost division. This does not exclude the possible changes of administrative structures to enable us to take quicker and more agile decisions in the future and to save on cost. That is from a spokesperson from Continental. Now, specifically Phil von Hersteid, which I apologize, I'm surely butchering that. Well, it's not guaranteed, but I'd say there's a 99.98% chance of butchering that name, probably. And he says, and he's the head of the Continental Automotive Branch, he said, quote, important steps are in order to strengthen the competitiveness of our unit, unquote. And the company currently employs about 200,000 people in 57 countries. That statistic was from, taken from the end of 2022. And in 2000, early 2020, the company started a long-term restructuring program that included the elimination or transfer of 30,000 jobs by the end of the current decade. Now, lastly, I also know that last week, the German automotive parts manufacturer reported third quarter earnings in line with the analyst expectations. So the shares actually traded a little bit higher, bumped up by 1.8% in Frankfurt. So this year to date, the stock is up by about 15%. So again, it's not... Thankfully, it's not a majority of the employees. There's no big red flags, but it's definitely not great news for the automotive community. And thankfully, the automotive industry is pretty darn big. There's a lot of manufacturers. 
So hopefully these engineers and people who are laid off are able to find gainful employment at one of the competitors maybe, or somewhere else that will, that will be able to benefit from the skill set that they've gained throughout working at that particular company. But it'll be interesting to see, time shall tell. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney claiming that the Marvels is the number one film in the world, which is true, perhaps in opposite world. Or, well, I guess Marvels did buy out, oh, Disney bought out Marvels as Marvel as well as Lucasfilm. So as they themselves might claim in court if they were sued for this claim, they say, well, as they say in Star Trek, it is true what I said from a certain point of view. Or something to that effect. Kidding. I know it's Star Wars. Calm down. But nevertheless, now this comes to thanks to the DailyMail.com, and they say that Marvel is accused of lying after claiming that the new film, The Marvels, is the number one in the world, despite having the worst box office opening in any Marvel movie ever, as well as other movies actually having more sales. So, again, the first opening weekend, which... If you look at historically, when we talk about the films that we're covering, the box office releases and the statistics, that's the best and the most important weekend. In the aggregate, it adds up, of course, but an overwhelming majority of the time, that's the biggest weekend you're ever going to get in terms of revenue. Historically speaking, very few movies have ever actually done better the second or third weekend throughout the course of cinema history. Now, in this weekend, they only made $47 million, which, again, we have to remember, these films cost... 300, 400, 500 million dollars just to make, and they're projecting this was going to hit between you know 80 to 90 million dollars. And again, this is the lowest opening in MCU opening ever. Now they say that it's earned the most at the box. Let's see here, lowest opening box office histories. They noted that it did beat out Five Nights at Freddy, which earned nine million dollars. I even know that. I thought it was a cartoon ride. Oh no, I guess it did. Do a movie. Now, the Marvel's Avengers Endgame earned almost 10 times as much with a whopping $357 million in an opening weekend. That is astonishing. And it shows you the downfall of Marvel. They used to, like Disney, print money. They used to be the hottest thing on the block. And partially because I think they're going for a quantity over quality as well as the poor writing and starting politics and overall just making movies insufferable, their movie, statistically speaking, they're becoming anemic. And that's, I mean, from a fiscal perspective, they just keep bleeding money. And so the specific quote they're talking about is this one was on Twitter, which 18 people do call it X. Or maybe 17 people call it X. I suspect not many people actually call it that in the real world. Let me know if you ever have. I don't think I have, except for when I make jokes on the show. And Disney tweeted saying, quote, Don't miss the number one movie in the world. Now playing in theaters everywhere. Unquote. And fans were quickly to ratio it, saying it was definitely not the number one movie and that the studio was delusional. Some of the top comments come in saying, quote, Which world? Your own? Because it sure as hell ain't the real one. Unquote. Another popular one saying, quote, Number one in the world? I knew my... Optician's appointment was long overdue, but thanks for reminding me, unquote. Haha, an eyeglasses joke. Industry specific, I'll allow it. Another tweet says, quote, number one in the world, does this mean I can sue you guys for false advertisement, unquote? And those are all getting between 100 and 
Eh, between 20 and 100 likes. Now, it looks like Marvel is currently ranked at number, uh, let's see, disputed number one statistically. Currently, Barbie sits in the world at number one as per box office mojo. Meanwhile, Marvel sits at spot 41. According to box office mojo, Marvel is ranked 41. You know, you lied. You, a lot of people are pointing that out, saying you lied on the Twitter's verse. Yeah, the, literally the 41st. So, a lot of people are saying so many lies, so many bad movies. The film is boring. It didn't do anything to push the MCU in a good direction. The best thing was the post credit scene with the Beast. Which, interesting enough, it sounded that like the person probably stayed for the whole thing. Oddly enough. Let's see. Someone by the name of Don Leon says, quote, You guys are kidding, right? Just watched it. And it is by far the worst Marvel movie of your history. And I've seen all of them. What a shame. I've never been so disappointed. So it'll be interesting to see if Disney comes out with a redaction or says, you know, you know, our mistake, we meant, you know, spiritually it's number one or something cliche like that. Like number one in our own mind. But Disney's downfall continues to be the business blunder of the century. Now let me know in the comments. I mean, do you think this movie will actually make a profit? To statistically speaking, it won't because again, the opening weekend is the most important one. And it's estimated this costs around like $400 million before paying for marketing and advertisements. So, I mean, if I was a gambling man, I would say the outlook for them actually breaking a profit on this film, eh, I would have to say the, uh, the outlook is not so good. Other interesting cultural news, you have Bud Light Free Beer Tweet is roasted, getting less than 550 likes as they have a futile attempt to try to buy back their previous customer base, similar to an abusive relationship or a bad relationship where one person makes a mistake, Instead of actually acknowledging the situation or trying to improve, they just buy the person flowers or jewelry, or in this case, a Bud Light, which actually, interestingly enough, I'm pretty sure they would, that would cement the decision to end the relationship if someone to show up with a case of Bud Light. I, I can't fathom it. For the gents in the, in the show, what would you do if your girl brought you home a case of Bud Light? Would you just leave the Bud Light on the, on the front porch? Be like, no. Fascinating to hear what you have to say in that regard. Now, this is their ongoing sweepstakes where if you tweet back saying, yeah, hashtag easy to celebrate, which is a lie, it's not easy. It's quite difficult to celebrate when you're drinking Bud Light and the hashtag sweepstakes, you can be entered in this promo where you could win a case of Bud Light. Now, again, this is one of the very rare instances in which a metaphor is actually a real use case in the real world. For most of my life, one of the most common things people say is, you know, give me an example of somehow, someone could be a winner and a loser at the same time. And this certainly embodies that. Imagine if you won a case of Bud Light, what would you do with it? I, you certainly want to be seen in public drinking it. I mean, I've thought about doing a YouTube, it would take a lot of creativity to actually think of a hundred legitimate things you could do. But I was thinking like, what would I do if I won a case of Bud Light? One of my favorite things that I've thought of recently in my suggestions was, well, you could perhaps use it as ballast if you were a hot air balloonist. So it would help keep you lower to the ground. And if you go up, you want to go higher in the balloon, you need to decrease the weight. So you could cut off the rope that's, you know, using the Bud Light as an anchor on the side of the cage, your little basket thing. Now, presumably it would go to the, you know, fall to the ground, which it could end up hitting someone in the head, which would perhaps be less detrimental to their overall health than consuming the product. So there's a little bit of risk there, but that's a 
use you could use Bud Light for if you were to win that sweepstakes. I can't help but think, if I won a case of Bud Light today, what would I possibly use it for? I suppose it may be possible to use it as a solvent to remove an oil stain from a driveway? Maybe? You could perhaps use it to kill weeds in your yard. I would only assume that plants would find it so viscerally toxic and disgusting, even the plants themselves would shrivel up and die. I mean, who needs Roundup when you have Bud Light? So, actually, as of today, that, that could very well be the 11th legitimate thing you could do and use Bud Light for if you were to, quote-unquote, win the sweepstakes. Now, going to the specific tweet that they have, it looks like, interestingly enough, they're not calling out a specific NFL team, which is probably thankful since I can't believe this is blowing up in their faces. And, it's, again, this is one of those things where they're the official sponsor of the NFL, which, not all the times, but many of the times just means they have a lot of money to throw at the NFL when you see these types of business relationships. Now, they do have the NFL logo blasted on the can, and they say, before the picture, they say, quote, it's almost time for SNF and your last chance to score beer money. Reply, hashtag easy to celebrate and hashtag sweepstakes to turn every TD into a chance to win, unquote. And it looks like, I don't know, you can't really tell the person's gender because they're wearing kind of a gender neutral shirt or something like that. And it's a close-up of a hand, which does have what most people would call traditional female nails glued on. And I never understood that trend with the ladies, by the way. But nevertheless, it looks like it has a person with their nails glued on. And it's got the big Bud Light logo on the can. And it says a little small font, the official beer sponsor of the NFL. Ooh. And I know a lot of people worship the sports balls. And they would, you know, maybe this will get them to buy the beer. I don't really think so. But maybe. Now, this got 30, a little under 35,000 people saw this tweet. Or post, as 12 people might call it on the X. So 35,000 people saw this. And yet, it got less than 550 likes. It got... A measly 551 likes, which very well might be the last remaining employees at Bud Light Division as they've had to undergo layoffs and the Bud Light boycott has been so effective they actually closed bottling plants, which unfortunately was a third-party contractor. Hopefully they will, be able, they will be able to buy get some gainful employment by making gangling bottles or another competitor, which is actually growing exponentially as Bud Light is decreasing in favorability and popularity as their sales continue to crater by about 30% per week on average by dollar amount about 26% week over week by decrease in sales volume. Now, going over to the comments section, and there are actually some real ones. And again, I suspect most of these comments are either computers or these people have set up some type of program which will automatically enter them into every hashtag sweepstakes. Because I can't but wonder these people, there are some folks who have way too much time on their hand, but for many people, they have a limited amount of time in their life. They have stuff to do. So presumably they can't go on to Twitter or X and post to every single sweepstakes and just say, oh yeah, I'm going to enter to get this free stuff. So the first real one I see is from someone called The Moon. Although, see my marketing, it's not even a picture of The Moon. It's just a picture of a person as a profile picture. Perhaps that's their name. Nevertheless, this alleged Moon says, quote, ain't no one buying Bud Light, LOL, unquote. We got 29 likes, which is the most popular comment you could see thus far. Another one by the name of Manhouse says, quote, is that a dude holding the beer, unquote, getting nine likes. 
And as I continue scrolling through all the responses, and they're literally pages upon pages just scrolling more and more, everything else seems to just be a computer because they are quite literally all responding exactly the same with the hashtags. And an overwhelming majority of those are getting zero likes. A couple of them might get a single like. And I'm just scrolling and scrolling and not really seeing anything of substance. Now, it is interesting that it's not as many negative comments as there used to be. Now, that being said, that's also because Bud Light has been blocking people left and right, including myself. I have the audacity to reply to one of their tweets saying thanks to the reminder, I just got Yangling and I posted a picture of a case of Yangling in a can in a bottle, which they deemed was so offensive they blocked my profile. So I have to actually use my work profile to see these because otherwise I can't see. So it'll be interesting, is the boycott really slowing down or are they just blocking more and more and more people and using these freebies to drown out the real comments with just a sheer overall monumentous amount of the free comments for the hashtag sweepstakes. Because I can't but wonder how many of them are real, are actually real at the end of the day. But nevertheless, it looks like you still have a couple real comments coming to the service and they're all negative. So I suspect the boycott is, mm, it's not going away anytime soon. But let me know in the comments, be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek going on Chris Cuomo's show and calling him out going viral, getting 1.7 million views. Now this is tweeted, or as again, 18 people call it, posted on Vivek's personal um, Twitter profile. And he says before the actual interview, or this again, it's just a two minute, 30 second clip, Vivek says, quote, I get that Chris Cuomo is trying to rebrand himself as some neutral journalist, but I'll call a spade a spade. Chris and the rest of the establishment media have been force-feeding lies to the American people for years with the intent to divide us, and now they've picked their new, their favorite Republican stooge. The people won't be fooled, unquote. And without further ado. Ramaswamy, why do you keep going at Nikki Haley? Why do you think this is going to bear fruit? Chris, I don't know what you've been smoking, man. You and the rest of the mainstream media, it's laughable. Nikki Haley's been going after me the whole campaign. First yeah. debate, second debate. You know, she's been trailing me for much of the time, but I realize the establishment media has realized that there's a puppet they want to put up. She also called him scum on the debate stage when he pointed out her hypocrisy of her being very much against TikTok, but her daughter being one of the most popular people on TikTok and Vivek using it as a tool to campaign and him actually addressing the root issue of data going over to China and not just banning one app, but having a terms of service in which if you want to do an app in the United States, you can't exfiltrate all your data. And he used the example of Airbnb. They send all their data to the uh, C, uh, CCP, which again, so if you used Airbnb, China knows a little bit more about you. But nevertheless, back to the interview. I'm not playing that game. The grassroots of this country know they want a leader who isn't going to send us our sons and daughters to go die in foreign wars that racked up $7 trillion in debt. Dick Cheney 2.0 yeah. has taken over the GOP. Problem is the Democratic establishment media is now rooting for war, too. I'm the only candidate speaking for a true America First agenda on that debate stage, and I think we're going to be successful. Vivek, how are you going to bring people together when you just uh, put together a tapestry of conspiracies? 
You know that I'm not pitching anything about Nikki Haley. Because what are you she talking about? I mean, there, there's no tapestry. She won't even come on there's my no show. There's no tapestry of conspiracies. I'm sure she doesn't. Second. Hold on a second. I let you I let you put it out there, and now, you know, I get to finish smoking, and uh, now I get to answer, which is, um, oh, this is what the media is doing, is putting up Nikki Haley like against me because the they know I'm the real they, they deal. Picked. Please. She yes, hasn't they, even they, been they, on my they, show. They Chris, I'm just please. watching you get you know slapped what? I, around I, I call by that her, Kristen and I'm Welker. wondering what I, your strategy you know, is. The fact of the matter is, Chris, the, my strategy is calling out the mainstream media like I did to Kristen Welker at the start of that debate. I asked her about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax told her to look the audience in the eye and apologize to them. Just like I'll tell you, you're part of the mainstream media dis despite pretending like you're not. Look the audience in the eye oh, and tell them the mainstream media brother. for all that happened. I'm Absolutely. Part of the mainstream media. And you, and you, and you, hey, listen. And you play the listen, same you games that the rest you, of the mainstream media does. You don't want to take care of your you're family. Doing it tonight. That's you're, fine. You've been you have been you have been covering a game. for your you brother. Think, you have been playing you, a game. You were kicked off for my brother. Of course the, I helped my brother. The, yeah, it, of course it, it, I do. You know what? That's been journalistic standards that have now been failed, not just by you, but by every member of the broken political media. So yes, it is going to so take an outsider to call it out. And you want to look everyone at everyone in the media well, most is responsible for covering uh, for my brother. See what I'm saying? Ninety percent. You miss ninety percent of the media the is colluding. Do you remember during the lockdowns? Pretty much every media outlet was praising the governor of New York, even though maybe his policies actually had the antithesis of a good effect. They actually hurt and killed people specifically the policy that Cuomo thought was a good idea to send infected old folks back to the nursing homes and yet everyone in the media was calling them America's governor he's great yeah not so much by going too broad pushing one one answer Vivek. on the American public for the origin of COVID-19 to the Hunter Biden laptop story what to now which people do? they decide they want to put up as their puppets. What does any Donald of Trump. that have to do? The the Look. And in terms of the comments, it got 31,000 likes. So pretty darn good ratio right there. Let's say one of the top comments comes from J.D. Halton, PhD, says, quote, after the COVID CNN performance with him, it's astonishing he's still in the media, unquote. Got 2.1 thousand likes. Kevin Kilman says, quote, keep going straight at them, Vivek. You're right, and it's refreshing to see, unquote. Getting 2.4 thousand likes. Someone by the name of Ed Patiso saying, quote, Chris Cuomo made himself irrelevant after pushing, quote, mostly peaceful protest with the backdrop of cities burning. Pfizer owns owned shill, unquote. Getting 949 likes. Kathleen Wishtel says, quote, This is hilarious. Vivek for the win, unquote. Getting 492 likes. Let's see here. DV says, quote, Accountability is a foreign concept to politicians and media personalities, unquote. Getting 437 likes. T. Party says, quote, The mere fact that he called your points a tapestry of conspiracies Shows he's right back where he started. He's part of the fake news, unquote. Got 1.1 thousand likes. Lifting Socks says, quote, Look at his face as you call him out. He doesn't even know how to respond, unquote. Getting 738 likes. Let's see here. Is there anything positive for the Cuomo? Free the World says, quote, Notice how even as Chris Cuomo denied pushing Nikki Haley, her photos were all over the screen, and the headline was, Nikki Haley continues to rise in the GOP polls, not Trump continues to dominate the GOP polls, or Vivek boldly speaking out against mainstream media. Unquote, getting 39 likes. 
Valerie G says, quote, I agree. Now he's trying to rebrand himself to become relevant again. I'm quoting 97 likes. Let's see here. OSM says, quote, Trump opened the door on false news narrative. Vivek char charging, though. There is no peace without victory in a, the narrative war. I'm quoting 92 likes. Let's see here. So... Chris Contral says, quote, dude needs to go work at McDonald's. He has no business being a so-called journalist. I'm quoting 90 likes. So as the youth might say, Cuomo was ratioed. As I, again, it seems to be 99% of the comments are all overwhelmingly supportive of Vivek. And it'll be interesting to see as he continues to call out the discrepancies and the ineptitudes of all these people. Will it help him rise in the polls or... Is he going to be about the same? After the third debate, I think some of the biggest increases we saw were around Nikki Haley. I mean, DeSantis, again, this is as of November. Well, let's see. So we have... Now we have three... Well, no, we have now four polls that were taken after the third GOP debate. After the third polls, and again, this isn't just those, third, the, uh, those four polls, actually. It's all the polls. So it's a poll aggregator. And it looks like Trump is now at 58.3%. DeSantis is at 14.8%. So DeSantis, he increased by a little bit, 0.7. Nikki Haley is now at 9.1%. Vivek is at 4.5%. So it looks like Vivek, uh, past couple of days, uh eh. Yeah, it looks like past couple of days, steady or down by 0.5. Christie is down, so he's now at 2.4%. He was closer to 3%. Hutchinson is still in the race somehow at 0.7%. Burgum is still in the running at 0.6%. So again, it'll be interesting to see. And of course, you know, Trump is point, yeah, 38 points ahead, 39 points ahead, 50 points ahead, 51 points ahead, and all these subsequent individual polls. So again, it'll be interesting to see how it breaks down from here. But let me know in the comments. What does Vivek need to do to actually to keep those numbers going up in a positive direction? Because for a while he was neck and neck with Nikki Haley. And again, this is a poll aggregator. It's not a huge sample size. Mostly sales studies are between 1,000 and 3,000 recipients or people who took the poll. So let me know in the comments. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to catch up. And then what is it going to take for him to catch up? Be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Other interesting political news. You have Ron DeSantis calling out San Francisco only for cleaning up when China visits. Now, San Francisco, especially in a perpetual... What is it? That's a nice way of saying a hellhole. It's an instance where crime is at all-time high. Theft is at all-time high drug use, human fecal matter on the ground in public. It's all at all-time high. Theft is through the roof. Even CNN couldn't hide it when they did an interview with, I believe it was Walgreens a couple months ago, where they had an interview talking about the retail theft, which is exponentially growing in the United States. And during that interview, someone walked in the CVS, took an item, and just walked out. No one's even stopping these people. And yes, you do get what you vote for. They voted to basically make... It not no longer a felony to steal up to nine hundred fifty dollars. They changed it to a category of a misdemeanor. And with the public 
sector in the public court system with the prosecutors, the easiest thing for them to do because it's a high volume business is they go for plea deals. So instead of prosecuting them for the full charge, they can say, hey, if we don't go to court, we'll just plea down to this. So they moved it from pleading down from a felony to misdemeanor. Now it's going from misdemeanor to basically nothing in the rare occasions where they actually do prosecute and do arrest people, which is few and far in between. Now, DeSantis specifically said, quote, San Francisco has deteriorated into chaos and squalor under Democratic rule. They can't clean up the city for Americans, but they can clean it up for Xi Jinping. It, Xi Jinping? Yeah, I say that. It shows that all you need to know about who really know, runs the show, unquote. Man got about 629,000 views and 9.3 thousand likes. And I suspect, given that, I suspect it'll be overall overwhelmingly positive comments since it really isn't about DeSantis. He's more calling out the ineptitudes of the current political and cultural situation in San Francisco. Now, usually Ron DeSantis is ratioed by the Trump fans and a lot of folks, actually. But I'm going to guess it's mostly positive. Let's dive in the comments and find out. Someone by the name of Proud Elephant who gets an A plus, well, an A for marketing. They do have a picture of an elephant in their profile picture. However, in their profile name, they have an emoji of an eagle, which is awesome in American. However, why not the elephant emoji as well? So, nevertheless, pretty good marketing. This proud elephant says, quote, Gavin Newsom is the worst governor in America, and it's not even close. Ron DeSantis is the best governor in America, and it's not even close. Matt got 140 likes. Matt Grilly says, quote, it shows they clean up if they want to, unquote, getting 42 likes. Red Wave Press says, quote, DeSantis is going to rip Newsom a new one on November 30th. Follow if you agree, unquote, getting 43 likes. It is a weird phenomenon where they're having a debate because Gavin Newsom is still not officially running for president. I think we all know he is. But, yeah, we'll see if he actually, quote, unquote, tears him a new one. I mean, while his political stances and his choices has helped turn the city into a hellhole, Gavin Newsom is a very prudent speaker. He's very articulate, and I'm pretty sure he'd probably be a good debater. It's one of those things. A wise man once said, never underestimate your enemies. So, again, the DeSantis team, they need an overhaul to say the least. But I hope they're not underestimating Gavin. Because, yeah, all this, all the stats are, yeah, the city's gone to hell. Businesses are leaving in droves. People are leaving in droves. And yet, Gavin Newsom gets reelected. Time and time and time again. Well, there may be very many reasons for that, but it is partially because he's an articulate speaker. So, it'll be interesting to see how that debate really goes. Someone by the name of Photographic Floridian says, quote, I was in San Francisco recently, and the drive to Twitter HQ is worse than anything you can find in Florida. Unquote, getting 30 likes. Someone by 5Level13 says, quote, When you finish eating corn dogs in Iowa, swing by... Broward County, Florida. And this is a picture which says, quote, Justin outside Broward DCF office. People are in line outside the office because DCF is not answering calls. More than 50% of Medicaid terminations are due to, quote, procedural issues, i.e. the applicant couldn't reach anyone, while thousands of others are losing SNAP benefits because they have been unable to complete interview views or had their applications processed within 30 days. If you're here or have experienced the same, drop it in the chat. Hashtag my FLP fam or FLF families. That got 44 likes. So there is a little contrarian statement. So someone going against the grain, so to say. 
Ashkash Bahida says, quote, clean up for the elites, but not for thee, unquote, getting 39 likes, which is a good little ponder alteration on the cliche or the very famous saying, saying rules for thee, but not for me. So I approve. So my name of Don simply says, go them, go get them Ronnie, unquote, getting 10 likes. Let's see here. Someone by the name of Alyssa Alexander says, quote, it doesn't look like San Francisco anymore, and it doesn't look like America anymore, unquote, getting seven likes. Leeds Explorer says, quote, Ron is far better leader than Gavin. Zero confidence in Gavin's ability to lead, unquote, getting seven likes. Let's see here. And this is a clip, I believe, of Gavin Newsom actually admitting, oh yeah, we cleaned it up just for China. So this is a clip. It looks like originally by Ryan FJBLGB with two American flags and two eagle emojis in the profile name. And is reposted by Polybus Champion. Play this really quick. Anytime you put on an event. And again, this is Gavin Newsom. By definition, you know, you have people over your house. You're going to clean up the house. You have 21 world leaders. You've got tens of thousands of people coming from all... Uh, around the globe, uh, what an opportunity to showcase the world's most extraordinary place, San Francisco. <laughs> Anytime you put on... That is by far the least extraordinary place in the world. San Francisco? The place that is so much human excrement on the streets, they created an app to track that, so you could have a little futile attempt to avoid it, but there's such a high volume of it because of the cultural breakdown that there's just a big round map. It was all populous by the excrement on the map. Let me know in the comments. Does anyone still consider San Francisco to be a beautiful, safe place? I mean, I hear countless stories about people finding a plethora of needles and drugs in the streets just lying about, homelessness out of control. And I don't think most people would voluntarily visit the place. I mean, you need a copious amount of armor, protective gear. Yeah. I mean, we make a great horror film. That's an idea for the cinema community. Now, that little reclip got 13 likes. Someone by the name of Jay claimed, they say, quote, Florida has a, crime, a higher crime rate in every category, unquote. They had to get 10 likes, interestingly enough. Let's see here. DeSantis or Press says, quote, typical W from DeSantis, getting 8 likes. A lot of people saying can't wait to see the debate. Ingrid Ekoff says, quote, the explanation is obvious. The government didn't want to clean up earlier because they didn't want to, unquote. Getting five likes. So it looks like, let's see. Sheik Evans saying, quote, no, Governor Newsom owns you for sure, unquote. Getting 13 likes. Hate to John Troda says, quote, hate to break it to you, but your campaign has deteriorated faster than the city of San Francisco. Unquote, getting eight likes. So it looks like not as bad as the as the Chris Christie ratio effect, a phenomenon which is almost statistically impossible in which no one has a positive response to you, which I believe actually happened twice when we were covering Chris Christie. Looks like there's a fair amount, and actually a little bit more support than usual looking at the comments. So, I, again, if DeSantis, in terms of movies on the political chessboard, 
he just keep highlighting the differences between the way he governs, the way Newsom governs, and just show the differences between the states. I mean, where are people moving? Which one is cleaner? Which one is safer? Which one would you rather raise a family? If, if he can drive those points home, it might be able to reverse that trend of his precipitous downfall. Again, DeSantis, when he started this campaign, in terms of the statistics of the Republican nominee, is consistently around 35%, and, a, and Trump is around 45%. And throughout the past few months, it's just increased exponentially. Now DeSantis is down to about 14%, and Trump is up to 58%. So DeSantis desperately needs to turn that trend around to get the increase to actually go up in favorability. It'll be interesting to see. Let me know, does this increase your perception of DeSantis? Do you think this will be a good thing for him to lean into for the campaign? Be fascinated here what you have to say. Now going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Fisker EV manufacturer. Their stock crashes by about 20%. That's quite a big dip after they disclosed a quote-unquote material weakness in the financial reporting and they had lower-than-expected deliveries. Now, specifically, it looks like it sank about 18%. And this is thanks to an article on CNBC by John Rosenver. And it looks like the stock closed about $3.34 per share, which is literally less than a cup of coffee, or more accurately, a cup of candy bar in a cup if you're going to a large coffee chain but playing up their overall stock trend what's that trend looking like so the past five well in the past five years is down 66 percent in the past year it's down 62 percent year to date down negative 53 percent in the past six months is down 48.73 percent past one month down 48%, five day down 20%. So the overall trend is not great with the current market cap at only a billion dollars, which is a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but compared to the other automotive manufacturers, that's very, very small. And their 52 week low is actually $3.11, 52 week high, $8.69 per share. And a zero, there's no dividend yield because they don't pay dividends, unfortunately. Now, it looks like in terms of the, getting back to the material weakness, Fisker noted a quote-unquote material weakness will be discussed in detail in its upcoming 10Q report. And Gupta Fisker said that the company is actively hiring additional financial experts. It didn't say when investors can expect the 10Q to be filed. And again, in terms of their CFO recently leaving, so that's not good because a lot of uncertainty is it usually is a sign, or many people perceive it as a sign of instability. And again, investors do not like uncertainty. It's one of the things that is detriment to the current economy is a lot of businesses, they just don't know what's going to happen from a political standpoint, from a geopolitical standpoint. They don't know if they're going to be regulated out of business. They don't know if the taxes are going to go up exponentially to kneecap their businesses even more. The uncertainty is what is really bringing down the key economy to a standstill or slowing it down exponentially. And again, it looks like when asked for additional comment, you have this, uh, Mr. Gupta Fisher saying that the third quarter was quote, highly complex because of the company's global ramp up. And I mean, the good news is the company's failed a couple times before. They're probably first coming to prominence when they had Justin Bieber drive around his little Fisker karma, which a little bit too cliche of a name if you ask me. But nevertheless, that was really what drew them to fame and they were manufacturing everything in-house. Now, which again, that was a very difficult thing. There's a lot of complexities in that. It's 
a huge feat to actually do that successfully as a business. So now they're actually working with a third party who this third party is actually the one who manufactures the cars for Fisker. So their Fisker is still involved, obviously, but they're more involved in the actual engineering and the design of the vehicles. And someone else is actually manufacturing it like an OEM relationship. So that is what's been helping them out lately. And they're still, unfortunately, in terms of their fleet averages and their overall losses on the vehicles, I mean, they're not delivering as many as they were hoping. So they also know that they only delivered about 1,100 ocean electric SUVs in the third quarter, but they claim that deliveries have accelerated since the quarter end with over 1,200 oceans delivered in October and quote unquote hundreds more on route to customers right now, which again, what are your thoughts on marketing? Do you think it's good to have vehicles that are named Karma, Ocean? I mean, why not just go for the cliche elements, go earth, fire, wind, all that kind of stuff? I mean, I suppose I appreciate it more because it's moderately more creative than just coming out with numbers for every vehicle, which I understand the logic or in terms of numbers. You don't have to worry about translation between different countries and languages, and you can build more loyalty to the specific brand, not the model, but still call me an old soul, but I prefer when cars have cool, unique names that are you know, different. All the kind of soul crossing when you have the iconic Chevy Camaro go from a two-door muscle car with a stick shift and V8 to now have becoming a EV SUV. How times have been changing. Can't help but think about blow up in their face like a Chevy Bolt when they burst into flames. Ha! As a recall joke, because GM had a couple recalls in regard to that vehicle. Now, it'll be interesting to see in regard to the company that's working with them, the manufacturer is the Magna International. They're the ones actually building these specifically. And they built 4,273 oceans in the third quarter. But again, they only delivered a little over 1,000. So... When asked for comment, Mr. Henrik Fisker, a good CEO currently, said, quote, we are rapidly scaling our delivery infrastructure to support even higher volumes of deliveries of our class-leading product to our loyal customers, unquote. We are, he additionally said, quote, we are gaining momentum and deliver more units in the month of October than all of the third quarter, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see how they can do the long term. I mean, Every EV manufacturer is coming out with an SUV. It's a growing category in the EV community and the automotive community. I mean, it's huge. Porsche, which I kind of die a little inside when I hear this, they actually sell more SUVs than anything else, which I understand from a business perspective. That's what gives them profits. That's why they, they can afford to make some of these awesome vehicles like the Porsche 911 GTS, XY Banana Falcon. Whatever the model number is, I appreciate a Porsche with a stick shift. I wish they still made the SUV with a stick shift. That'd be iconic and legendary. However, they only did that for a couple of years. So in the rare instances when you can find them, they're priced more than a new vehicle and usually have 100,000 miles. Though, if I won the lottery or exponentially grew in wealth, I would probably hunt down one of those vintage, I say vintage, I think it was a 2008 Porsche. It was like Cayenne GTS. There's a V8 with a stick shift SUV. I mean, that's just legendary and cool. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see in regard to Fisker, how are they going to compete? I mean, in terms of the, kind of the fiscal results, their net loss for the third quarter was $91 million or 27 cents per share, which is wider than expected. Wall Street actually analysts were saying they're estimating to lose 19 cents per share. Revenue for the period was 71.8 million, while Wall Street was expecting revenue 109 million. Let's see here. A year ago, fiscal reporting net loss of $149.3 million in revenue or 49 cents per share and a revenue of about $14,000. Now, Fisker had $625 million in cash and cash equivalents as of September 30th, 
versus 521.8 million as of June 30th. Now, that's kind of good news and bad news because the EV manufacturer raised an additional 300 million via a convertible note offering in July and another 150 million in September. So again, that depending on when that converts and how it happens, a lot of analysts are concerned that may decrease the value of the stock. Saw the same thing with Rivian when they increased their amount of cash on hand and their cash reserves with a similar mechanism. So it'll be interesting to see as they continue to struggle and try to make their name and really gain some real market share in the automotive EV community. But again, I mean, missing those numbers and having your stock crash by nearly 20%, that's a huge red flag for a lot of investors and prospective investors. And to not have your finances together and there's all your financial executives lined up to deliver a report in time, that's that just gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget to take the time to like and subscribe and comment. Try to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November, so you click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, the comments and the feedback are greatly appreciated because that's how to make the show better and better and improve. Lastly, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, just stay safe and fight the good fight.